I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast, a bonus, bonus October episode. Yeah, which we watched separately, but both watched within the last two or so days. Yeah. Uh, the movie in question is 1982's The Slumber Party Massacre. So why did we watch this, you may ask? Well, I watched it because you su- suggested it and talked about it on a recent trip we were on. And so I just added it to my list and... You know, it's it's October. You got to watch some horror films in October, mm-hmm. and so I just thought I'd, I'd hurry and watch this. And yeah, so why did you want to watch this? Well, the reason I watched this was I had mentioned uh, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, and there was something I want to say from TCM that was talking about what I referred to as three horror films directed by women directors. I looked at it again. It, it wasn't horror films. It was three exploitation-style films directed by women directors. One is a film called Suburbia. Uh, this is all from the 70s, 80s. One was a film called The Student Nurses. And this film, The Slumber Party Massacre, which you wouldn't think would be directed by a woman, given the subject matter, which is about a crazy guy with a drill who uh, sneaks into a slumber party of uh, high school girls and proceeds to murder them, and murders several people prior to doing that. But it was directed by a woman, and I have not looked into this in depth. I should probably read some essays or longer reviews of it that talk about it as being part of the Douglas Sirk phenomenon. Do you you know Douglas Sirk? No, I do not. Douglas Sirk is another one of those Germanic directors that fled the Nazis. And he came to the studio system here in the United States. He made films in a number of genres. But what really took off for him were these melodramas, these women's pictures, tremendously successful uh, in the 1950s. Films like All That Heaven Allows, Imitation of Life, Written on the Wind, Magnificent Obsession. These films were at the time, received as very Eisenhower-era, uh, we support the, the existing system, but were reassessed later on that he was actually sending it up. He was being almost too sincere. Mm-hmm. And he was pointing out some of the absurdities of the social structure. And I think that that was the point that this little article that I skimmed was trying to make about it, that on the surface, this looks like just another... You know, trashy slasher film, but it's actually a satire of trashy slasher films. Very subtly. Yeah. Now, there's a number of things that can feed into this or just feed into the, the construction of the film generally. So very early in the film, our lead character, Trish, played by Michelle Michaels, is in her beautiful suburban home. She gets up one morning. She's 18, even though she's like 23. These teenage girls are all in their early 20s, and we see a lot of or these later. girls. Or later. Anyway, so she gets up one morning, she's listening to the radio, she very briefly listens to the broadcast about the escaped killer from the mental institution. Oh, that's, that, that's not relevant to me. I'll turn that off and turn on this really kind of Karen Carpenter-type music, only without the vocals that she keeps listening to throughout the film. And she starts to clean out some of the old childhood stuff from her room some stuffed animals and other odds and ends, and she throws them in the trash, which is symbolic of she's putting away childishness for uh, something more adult and the loss of innocence. And then, of course, there's the fact that the drill that the killer uses uh, against his victims is very obviously phallic in nature, including a very famous shot 
where you can see the drill between the killer's legs as the woman is screaming as she is being approached. Yeah. So I think I think there is this stuff in the film. I don't think I picked up on all of it. And I think it probably works both ways, both as a satire and as just an exploitation film. I think most of that satire stuff is perhaps a little overplayed. I can see that. But that's me. Mm-hmm. I actually had some pro- had a problem with the drill. Yeah. And this is just me being a little nitpicky. That was a wired drill. There was no power source. It should have had a cord coming out of it that had to be plugged into a wall. Mm-hmm. They clearly just removed the cord. Mm-hmm. Which would have been okay, except for then later in the film, one of the other attempts to stop the killer is, is forestalled by the fact that the extension cord doesn't go that long. No, that was the extension cord on uh, the saw. On the saw, yeah. Yeah, so used to, so that she was trying to use to stop mm, him. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's true. So, so to, to you, that reminded you of the fact that the drill was not realistic because it should have added a, a power cord. Some sort of power source, but it is lacking. Uh, I thought this was really one of the better Halloween ripoffs. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was definitely better than the original Friday the 13th, which I saw this summer and could hardly make it through. I didn't necessarily see this as a Halloween ripoff when I first saw it, though I see your point. And there's certainly the elements like the escaped, the person escaped from the mental asylum and things of that nature. But yeah, I I just didn't really, that didn't click with me when I first watched it. So I like that the bad guy didn't have a mask. Yeah. You, you saw him. They made no attempt to obscure what he looked like throughout the film. And he looks a little bit like the actor who plays the killer in Twin Peaks. Only that actor had longer hair. But basic look and bearing was very similar, possibly intentionally. There's really not a lot else to say about this film. It's very basic in structure. It was intriguing that for an exploitation film that it featured so much blatant nudity at the beginning and then nothing else, yeah. you know, pretty much the rest of the film. So these girls are probably junior seniors, yeah, in high school, and they uh, Trish's parents are going out of town for something, and so she decides to get the girls together for an old time's sake. Girls only, don't invite the boys. Sleep over at her house. Uh, what did you think of the neighbor? So there's this neighbor that her parents he decide kind of yeah. to keep an eye, and and I think but he he's was dispatched fairly. He quickly. is dispatched. He's a little bit of a red herring. Yeah. Uh, the implication when she first realizes, oh, he's going to be checking in on us, is gives him a look like you're a creep. And he does some kind of arguably creepy things, but he never really crosses a line. Like he goes up to a line and he flirts with it, but nothing that he does could really be seen as untoward or yeah. going too far or that it necessarily except means he had a deviant interest. entering the house. Yeah, except for the time he enters the house. Yeah, but even then that was relatively somewhat innocent mm. you know it wasn't it wasn't egregious it kind of you can play it both ways yeah you could play it he's, he's a creep or you could play it as no nah, he's not a creep he's just i think he probably was a little bit of a creep but but i think he was also a creep that knew her parents and knew he could only go so far yeah but anyway this crazy killer gets out of prison kills a telephone repair lady at the school that day so he can steal her van and dispatches a number of boys that go to see the girls. Uh, well, there's also girls. the other uh, student at the school. Yeah. In the locker. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I would say probably around ten or twelve people get killed in this film. Something yeah, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, I read an interesting note. The director Amy Holden Jones 
she apparently is not very sympathetic to people who, uh, this is coming from IMDb's trivia section, but evidently she's not very sympathetic to people who complain that she's a sellout to her gender as a woman who produce, produced an exploitation flick with a lot of naked girls in it. And she's quoted as having said, that's what Roger Corman, the producer, wanted, and that's how it's done. You give the studio what they want. Nobody complains that Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, uh, Ron Howard made exploitation pictures, but when a woman tries, she gets called a hypocrite in a turncoat, and that's BS. Mm-hmm. It should be noted that Holden Jones has parlayed this into a successful film career, producing such hits as Mystic Pizza and The Getaway. Indeed. Good for her. The other major-ish story plot is the the new girl. The new girl, Valerie, who lives like a house like next door. I think it's the next door house. Who's new? They transferred in. They kind of you figure out over the course of the story that her parent. So she lives next door with her sister, younger sister, and her mom, who's not there that night, and that her mom and dad had recently gotten divorced, and that's why they moved. And she's trying to kind of acclimate to this new school and socializing very late in her high school experience and. Trish wants to invite her to the slumber party, but some of her friends are kind of jerks and they don't want to invite her. And make fun of her. Make fun of her. So Trish does invite Valerie, but Valerie has overheard the conversation with the other girls and declines to come. But she eventually gets suspicious of things that happen at the house next door. And then they've got well, the, and coach. the coach. Has also called her. Yeah, the coach was talking to some of the kids and got cut off and then knew that she lived uh, next door and said, can you go and check? to see what's going on, or maybe you shouldn't check. I'll go over there. And, of course, the coach uh, was, was dispatched as well. Yeah. Again, there's there's not a lot here, but I I guess part of the reason I would, ha- I would thumbs up this film is because, as I said earlier, it's one of the better Halloween knockoffs. And it's so much better than Friday the 13th and the bits and pieces I've seen uh, of other films like this. Uh, it's... It's short. It's like a, another hour. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. So it doesn't take too much time. I thought the characters were interesting enough. The pacing was interesting enough, though it drags a little bit in the middle. That I just thought it, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a Corman film. It's, it's a quota film. Here, make this and do it reasonably well. And that's all the audience really can hope for. Yeah. And I just think that this was better than it had to be and i appreciated that i i can see that it's better than it had to be interestingly i would not give this a thumbs up but i would not give this a thumbs down as sometimes was featured on another podcast i listened to crime writers on i'm going to give this a firm thumbs sideways Mm. what would you rate it on the four star scale i'd probably give this one and a half stars on the 10 star scale i think i'd probably just give it i'm torn between a five and a six uh, that's about where I am on the ten star. I'd probably give it a probably give it a five, maybe a six. And I give it two and a half stars, I think, on the four star scale. Fun stuff. Much else to say about this? No. I don't think this is a film that requires much commentary. No, this is one of those I was surprised when you texted me today that you had seen it. And I'm like, Well, I guess we've got a I bonus. told you I was adding it to we, my list. We got bonus content now, but I didn't think you'd get to it that yeah. quick. Well, not much longer to see it in the month of October, mm. so you know, I, I don't mind watching these types of films in the month of October. Not prone to watch a lot of these outside of the month of October. Well, if there's nothing else, I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. <laughs>